Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KBI. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your master mixologist, and weekend wine guy. Here every Saturday, 11 a.m. to noon on 570 KVI. Thanks for joining me. Uh, If you want to check out some past shows, some of our great guests, check out our website at happyhourradio.net. And if you're out there on the Twitter sphere, don't be shy. Tweet, tweet, at Happy HR Radio. As always, it's a beautiful day in Seattle. Love August and the Seafair, uh, well, it's Seafair weekend, isn't it? It's time for the Hydros, the Blue Angels, and lots and lots of noise, but uh, we're going to make some noise in the world of wine. I've got some great guests coming up today. I've got Carl Wente uh, from Wente Vineyards and Chardonnay fame down in California. He's going to be on the line, as well as Mr. Paul Wagner of Balzac Communications. He's the president of the country's largest PR company in wine. And he's going to be up here in Seattle for the Society of Wine Educators Annual Conference, which is the 11th through the 14th. And speaking of great times, uh, don't forget Summer Cider Day in Port Townsend and the Auction of Washington Wines and the Gold Medal Wine Experience, September 14th. But right now, it's my pleasure. I have some famous people in the house. Uh, Mr. Craig Luthold of Mary Hill Winery was just uh, awarded a very prestigious honor from our friends in San Francisco. The international wine competition named Mary Hill Winery, Winery of the Year. And Craig Luthold, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here and uh, actually great to be back in my hometown. I grew up over here in Seattle and went to college at WSU and found out there were actually four seasons in Washington State (laughs) and and decided to stay east of the mountains. Uh, Yeah, well, you got more sun over there for sure, but we're doing okay today in this beautiful day. Unbelievable. And uh, I I know you mentioned you did a private label uh, just as you walked in for uh, happy anniversary 40th reunion. Mercer Island High School. 40th reunion of our high school, and uh, we had it on Saturday night, and and uh, we had a, a, a label designed by uh, one of our classmates, and uh, so we got to drink our wine during the reunion. We had about 150 out of our graduating class of about 550. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's nice fun. turnout. Well, I've got my 30th coming up, and I said I'd sponsor some wine, too. So They're we way got fun. a lot in common. Well, um, tell me about Mary Hill Winery. It's this place in, is Mary Hill a town? Mary Hill's a little town. It's down on the river. Um, If you're driving from Yakima to Bend, Oregon, you take Highway 97 and you hit Highway 14 on the Washington side and go four miles west. So we're not far from the big metropolis of Biggs Junction, which is over on the Oregon side. <laughs> That's what they call it. It's, it's, they <laughs> name those places so that people will be, will be attracted to it. Well, uh, Mary Hill Wineries come a long way. You were founded, what, 14 years ago, 16 yeah, years ago? Yeah, uh, we opened our doors to the public um, at the, the uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2001. Yeah. Our first vintage was 1999. 
Yes, I remember those early days, and your winemaker was John Haw, was it? It was John Haw, I exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you've come a long way, and congratulations on those humble beginnings. Uh, you have the de- a new vacation destination with concerts and great food. We do. We've got a five thousand seat amphitheater. We've got food. Um, it's more more or less just finger food. We've got a little uh, self serve deli that people can get stuff during the concerts. We bring in food vendors, and oh, there we, we go. So we have yeah. all kinds of great stuff during the shows. As a matter of fact, this coming weekend is. Sticks and Foreigner. I am so jealous, man. I mean, I grew up at Sticks. I mean, that's my music. And Foreigner, oh, I was at, I saw Sticks. Sticks rocks. They're loud. They are. And I, I'm really looking forward. We had Sticks two years ago, and everybody was standing and dancing and singing along to every single song. It's, it's just, it's amazing how many hits those two bands had. It was really, really fun. I mean, I saw them at the San Michelle Winery, and I really want to make it down there because I'm so tempted. And it's like, I want to go. They're playing here on Friday in, in Redmond or uh, Saturday. Yeah. They're playing. And Sunday, your place, uh, right? Saturday at our place. Okay, yep. so it's Friday at, at uh, Marymore Park, and uh, man, that's so cool. Well, lucky you, you get to, you got the life, my friend. You've got the winery, you've got the rock star bands coming to your place, and you've got the food in the in the house on the river. It's pretty fun. We actually live right above the tasting room. <laughs> Keep an eye on all those people. Absolutely. Um, well, I know you, that also you have been making some incredible wine. And I'll say this, you've got some of the best values as well. I mean, you've, you're, your winemaking has been quality from uh, all your tiers. And uh, you've got some, your label's been updated. Um, and I've got two wines in front of me. Tell me about the, the first wine. Well, uh, the Mervedre is, is actually, a, uh, comes from a vineyard uh, that uh, Joe Hatrup grows. It's uh, Elephant Mountain. He also has a Sugarloaf Vineyards, both in the Rattlesnake Hills on the north slope of the Yakima Valley. And Richard was at a uh, 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 the Washington Association of Wine Grape Growers and had the opportunity to taste one of Joe's uh, wines made by another winery, a Merlot. And he liked it so much, he came back to me and he said, listen, we need to develop a relationship with this grower. And so uh, he made a trip up there and he met with Joe Hatrup and he liked what he had. And I think now we're sourcing like 10 different varietals from Joe. I mean, every time something opens up, we want to have it because it's a fabulous site, and the grapes grown are just phenomenal. It's really, really fun to see what Richard is able to do with those grapes. And this is the 2011 Morved. Morvedra? It is. And yeah. uh, this is, specific. I know you've got several tiers of wine. You've got, uh, uh, and several different colored labels. So tell me about this particular label. This is actually our vineyard series of wines. We started this in 2010 when Richard came on board. He started with us in 2009, and uh, after I had him for a year, I knew that I could trust him with some really iconic uh, and, uh, and expensive grapes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we started sourcing from Walla Walla and Red Mountain and uh, the uh, Rattlesnake Hills from Joe Hatra. And, um, you know, we we really have uh, have um, continued to grow this line of wines. In 2010, we did nine different wines. And this year, we'll actually have 25 different wines in this tier. In the Vineyard Series, you call it. It's in the Vineyard Series. Almost all of them are single vineyard wines. So, they, so they're sourced from one vineyard. Some of them are blends, like the second wine we're going to have here is a GSM. But it's also from one vineyard. And uh, we, uh, we have... Um, the production on these is anywhere from as small as 70 cases to a, probably a maximum of about four or 500. Well, it's delicious. And I think Morvedra is what a very fascinating grape in Washington. You get the ripeness, but you also get that, uh, that spice note, that white pepper um, meets rusticity and rose and, and cherry. Uh, speaking with Craig Luthold, 
owner and uh, man of the year, right? Is that the same thing as the winery of the year? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. That's that's more about Richard. He he's the one who made the wines. Very and, cool. And I got to take my hats off to the to the growers in Washington State. The reality is. We have some of the best grapes in the whole world being grown in the Columbia Valley because even the most egotistical winemakers are going to tell you that 75% of what comes out of the bottle, because you can screw up a grape and make a bad wine out of a good grape, but you can't make an outstanding wine out of bad grapes. Uh, well, I, I fully agree, and we are fortunate. Um, can we have more vintages like 2011? I think we found the power and restraint that we look for in great wines. You know, it was an amazing vintage because everybody was really concerned. It was one of the coolest years on record in Washington State. We Worst were, summer ever in Seattle. Oh. We, at the end of June, we're all quaking in our boots because we're like a month behind normal. And June went down as one of the coldest, wettest Junes in uh, eastern Washington. It rained almost the entire month over there. We, yeah. we never get rain, you know, yeah. And after about the middle of May. Well, you know where that rain started, doesn't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if we got a lot, I can't even imagine what you got. Exactly. Well, so um, that 2011, I think, is, is going to be one of the hallmark vintages for Washington. As uh, Across the board, um, we've got some fantastic wines that will have longevity. Uh, the Morvedra is delicious. It's, is it 100% Morved? It is 100%. All of our grapes or all of our wines that have the varietal on it are 100%. We don't blend any other varietals. It could be a blend of multiple different vineyards and still say Cab Sauv on it, but um, all of our wines are 100%. Fantastic. Well, I always love tasting 100% anything because uh, I think it just shows you a certain purity, and um, that's who the grape is. So, Absolutely. Um, and that also tells the vineyard. Now, the other wine you brought is the 2011 Marvel, which is a great name, and I'm surprised you haven't heard from the comics people yet. <laughs> Spelled a little differently, so I guess it's it okay, but I love the name. It's a Grenache Syrah Morved. It's a blend. It's also 2011, part of your Rattlesnake Hills uh, label, Your I should say your vineyard series, and this comes from Rattlesnake Hills. So tell me about this wine. Well, uh, again, you know, we when we met, had our relationship with uh, with Joe Hattrip, um, he had these three varietals available, and Richard and I uh, were talking about it with my wife Vicky, and we said, you know, we've always wanted. We love blends. I think blends are just it really. Um, a, a great way for people to enjoy wine, and I think there's some of the best values in wine being produced anywhere in the in the Pacific Northwest is because we have so many great blends out there. But you know, when when we brought these grapes in, we kept them all separate. We pretty much do that with all our varietals, and we started kind of playing around with blending them together. And I think what, it was when I was in Australia, and they do a lot of GSMs down there, and uh, I, I started tasting some of these, and I really love the elements that those three varietals bring together, similar to what Bo the Bordeaux grapes do for a Bo Bordeaux uh, blend. And when the, we blended those three together and we started experimenting with them, we virtually said, you know, it's at like a third, a third, a third, which is what we ended up with. <laughs> and we really love the outcome. It's, it, it's our number one selling wine to our our wine club uh, from day one. It is the marvelous. Super, it is well, marvelous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Well, GSM Grenache Syrah Morved. Um, it's it's also kind of like with the cars. You know, you've got the you got the uh, RST. The <laughs> you got the GSM, and, and they do a great job also in the Rhone region with those varietals and uh, or varieties. Which is it? Should it be? We need to clarify that for the for the world. But uh, 2011 Marvel. Um, it is. Uh, it's got high, much higher, heavier weight than the, obviously the 100 percent Morved, but um, it's got spice. It's got dark fruit and red fruit, which is a nice blend. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Where do these run? Where would where would you find these as well? Esquin? 
Uh, no, actually, these are just available through our uh, uh. through our tasting room. So you got to come down and do this. We see about seventy five thousand visitors a year in our tasting room. Really, and our reserve room is open to the public. There's a fee involved of about twenty bucks, but you get to taste these fantastic wines. The the Marvel actually at San Francisco received a best of class in ninety seven points. So awesome. And uh, the or the the Mervedre, the Marvel got ninety two points and a gold medal. Um, you know we uh, so the Merved was best of class. Was best of class yeah, exactly. Points. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of Morvet here in, in the United States, per se, and I know that Washington probably is leading the charge in that grape, because where else is it growing? Maybe Paso Robles? Or... A little bit down there. I, you know, there's bits and snippets of it. Every once in a while, you come across one. I think it's going to be one of those darling grapes of Washington. It seems to be very well suited to the terroir in Washington State. Well, I know that we have some at our our vineyard, in, at Chan Family Vineyard in, in Walla Walla, so nice. we're excited about it, too. And uh, I know I'm, I'm making rosé this year with us uh, friends in Yakima as well. Well, Craig Luthold with Mary Hill Winery, um, you've got all the fun things going on, and we can find these at maryhillwinery.com, how to sign up for your uh, wine club. Yeah. Just uh, go to the go there. It's wine club at the top. Click on it. You can email uh, our wine club administrator, and she can set everybody up. All right. Well, that's easy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, but uh, before you go... Um, Tell me about, do you get to meet the rock stars? You know, interestingly enough, we never really focused on it because Vicky and I are absolutely scrambling in all directions, but we started something super fun. Uh, just like we did for our 40th reunion, we do a custom label for all the bands, oh. and we present it to them prior to the show. So we use their ad materials, we create a custom label, and we give them a case of red and white wine and present it to them prior to the, prior to the show, and we do uh, a... Uh, photo shoot or whatever with the band with them holding the bottles and it's been super fun oh man i am just you know i, I and when i had hair i used to be a rock star so <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm a wine star well that is so cool i want to see those labels hopefully those are positioned you have a, you saved a bottle uh, in your your tasting room so people can check absolutely them out. we yeah, do you got the band aside yep. it some magnum series of them uh, no, it's just uh, 750s. You know, uh, we, we just started it two years ago, and we're kind of trying to expand a little bit. We actually, the, the latest thing we're doing is we're doing a custom label for the Mariners. Uh, lucky you. Yeah. Well, go Mariners. They need a little extra help. They need hey. some boom. Put more cab in there. Exactly. We did some <laughs> three liters to commemorate Lou Pinella's uh, oh. entry into the Hall of Fame. And oh, so on wow. the 8th of uh, August, when they do the presentation, they're going to be presenting him with these uh, three liters that we had custom etched commemorating his entry into the Hall of Fame. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, doing that. We all love Lou. And uh, great to have you up here. Craig Luthol with Mary Hill Winery. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour. Radio. My pleasure. Hey, stay tuned here after this break. We've got uh, some great guests Carl Wenty with Wenty Vineyards and Mr. Paul Wagner of Balzac Communications. So stick around on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm David LeClaire with Seattle and Court, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KBI. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, thanks to Craig Luthold of Mary Hill Wine for joining me. And uh, looking ahead in the show, I've got Paul Wagner 
the president of Balzac Communications, talking about the Society of Wine Educators annual conference, which actually starts next Monday. So get some tickets. Check it out. If you are a wine geek, uh, you might uh, want to attend the Society of Wine Educators Conference. And also, if you're a wine geek, you might know something about Chardonnay and heard somebody say Wenty clone. I have the pleasure of uh, speaking with uh, Mr. Carl Wenty of WentyVineyards.com, one of the uh, iconic wineries in California, more importantly, Livermore Valley. Uh, Carl Wenty, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, welcome to Seattle. It's a beautiful day, as I'm sure it is down there in Livermore Valley. So tell everybody, first of all, where Livermore Valley is. Livermore is about 30 miles east of San Francisco, slight bit south, and then we're sort of right up against the edge where there's a coastal range that gets to about 1,500 feet of elevation, and then you drop over into the Central Valley. And so over in the Central Valley, the hot air rises, and it'll just pull the cold air in through the Golden Gate Gap. And so we're only about 20 miles as a crow flies from the bay. So we get these beautiful warm days that'll reach into the 90s and then cool off to 50 degrees at night, which is really ideal for prolonging a growing season and retaining beautiful natural acidity in the, in the berries, in the vineyards. And so great place for growing Chardonnay, but also a great place for Merlot and Cabernet, Petit Syrah, Petit Verdot. It's really a great, diverse valley. Well, it sounds like the perfect environment, and uh, it must be because you're doing some fantastic wines across the board. Uh, so let's talk about the Wenty name. I mentioned the Wenty clone, but let's go back and tell us about 1883 and the Wenty family. 1883. Well, we even go back a little further to the late 1870s, and my great-great-grandfather was the second son of the second wife of a German farming family just south of Hanover in a little horse town called Neheim. And first son from the first wife gets the farm, and then he's got a choice between <laughs> going to work for Kaiser and getting on a boat and getting out of Dodge. And so he came through Ellis Island, worked as a teamster, driving horses across the U.S. because he you know, came from a horse farm and knew how to handle a team. He got to California, and he wanted to work for a German for language and cultural reasons, and Charles Krug gave him a job. So he learned how to grow grapes and make wine from Charles Krug, and then in 1883, he scraped together enough money and he bought the 48 acres, the 48 acre ranch where I'm sitting today. And in 1883, had his first vintage of wine. And so we've now five generations in, coming up on 131 vintages overall. And California's oldest family owned and operated winery. That's fantastic. That's a great story. And I think sometimes people overlook it just with the acquisition of, a, of many of the family labels into big corporations. But I know that it's a business and it's good to have you know people who support the name who actually have the name, Wenty. And you are a fifth generation. What's your role, Carl? My role, I over, I'm the, God, my official title is Senior Vice President of Winemaking, and so I oversee all of the vineyards and the winemaking operation here, and we've got a great viticulture team here in Livermore, a great viticulture team down in Arroyo Seco in Monterey, um, where we bought some land in the 60s, and then a great winemaking team. So I'm the guy responsible for the product, and I think I have one of the best jobs in the world because I get to grow grapes and make wine for a living. <laughs> you do, and uh, when you're not growing grapes, for everyone out there, check out wentyvineyards.com. You can perhaps uh, get in nine holes or 18 holes of golf. 
Yeah, we've got Greg Norman Design Golf Course that plays to our cattle ranch and our vineyards. We do concerts. Uh, we had uh, Chris Isaac coming out, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Tony Bennett, Winona Judd. We've got good shows. We've got a restaurant on property with an organic urban vegetable garden that serves a restaurant. We do our own estate-grown beef that we run on our cattle ranch that we've been running since my great-great-grandfather was homesteading here. Got some 100-year-old olive trees where we do our own extra virgin olive oil. So it's all really a very much sort of a lifestyle and a great Mediterranean climate, not too far from the cooling influence of the Bay. And, you know, same reason Mark Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> it's that cold air that comes in and allows us to, you know, really develop the beautiful flavors and have delicate sharp Chardonnays like the four that you have in front of you. Well, uh, I do have four Chardonnays in front of me, but before I ask, you you do have a charmed life. Do you have any sisters? <laughs> uh, I have a sister who is 18 months older and happily married with a six-year-old and a nine and an eight-year-old. Awesome. Well, um, I just had to ask because you've got everything that a man would want, uh, beef and, and golf and music and rock stars and great wine. So, you know, Chardonnay um, obviously has been uh, celebrated and then maligned. It's gone through through some cycles, and I'm really excited to taste these Chardonnays. I have in front of me Eric's Chardonnay, which is a small lot series, the Morning Fog Chardonnay, which is, uh, both of these are 2013, as is Riva Ranch. And then you have a lovely bottle here called the Nth Degree. So let's tell me about the Eric's Chardonnay 2013. Eric's Chardonnay 2013. Eric's Chardonnay, every vintage is 100% stainless steel fermented. We picketed about 22 bricks. 22% 22% sugar, so it has some very high acid, and then 100% stainless, no surly aging, and so it's really just clean, crisp style of Chardonnay, and they really love to showcase the diversity of what Chardonnay can be, because obviously, you know, you have big, rich California styles of Chardonnay, which I think are beautiful wines, but Chardonnay has this really broad palette upon which the winemaker can sort of imprint his or her style based on picking decisions, based on oak levels, based on surly aging based on malolactic fermentation. So this is definitely just a sort of a naked exposed style of Chardonnay. No I, oak, no ML. You know, I agree. It's uh, Chardonnay ha- can, can wear many different masks depending on uh, the, the, what season it is and the costumes around the world, I would say. Uh, and, and having a naked Chardonnay, um, I, I think this one particularly ha- has the richness that, that people look for in Chardonnay, but the acidity and brightness and the freshness is what you're looking for because it's easy to add oak and say, here's my Chardonnay, but to have it balanced to wine, especially when you're doing stainless steel, the wine really shows nothing but itself, and this is delicious. Exactly. Thank you. That was the perfect compliment that I would have I would have hoped for off of that wine. And it's named Eric's Chardonnay because my dad loves that style of Chardonnay, and I sort of had a Chardonnay challenge with the winemaking team, the assistant winemaker, and my dad, and we said, okay, we all get a couple tons of fruit off of this Chardonnay uh-huh. vineyard, and we get to make our style however we want. And most people went big, rich, your classic California style, and my dad went the total opposite direction, and so that happened in 2004. And so ever since 2004, we've had an Eric Chardonnay. <laughs> so there's no revisiting that challenge? It's just one and done, huh? That was the championship, eh? Well, it was a championship, and then, you know, my, my style of Chardonnay is the nth degree, and, uh, you know, not that I don't love my dad's style as well, and then we've got Morning Fog and Riva, so we're always afforded the opportunity to make all these beautiful different styles of Chardonnay, but then every barrel group and every picking lot are, is a different experiment and a different way to go, so it's not like game over, but it's really more game on in this beautiful, fun, 
artistic, scientific challenge of growing grapes and making wine. I like that. That's cool. And, and having four Chardonnays provides uh, that, 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 that canvas for each, each artist, so to speak. Exactly. So, so the morning fog, Chardonnay, obviously I'm gathering that uh, this morning fog comes in, rolls in from the bay, and helps keep the, yep. the grapes cool, and then you get that great sunshine. So tell me about this particular Chardonnay, the 2013 morning fog. 2013 Morning Fog Chardonnay. Well, this is Seafair. Yeah, that's half barrel fermented and half stainless steel fermented. And the barrel fermentation part, there's no new barrels in the mix. So it's really downplaying the oak influence that comes through on that wine and, you know, upplaying the, the fruit flavors. And it's 100% Livermore Valley. So you can see the similarity of the fruit characteristic that comes through from Eric, where you get that apple, pear, citrus, minerality, maybe a little apricot. And then the oak, the barrel fermentation, the older barrels gives this real of underlying graham, graham cracker note with some mm. spices in there. Tiny hint of uh, surly aging, that creamy nuttiness, but still very much a leaner, crisper style of Chardonnay. Well, uh, I like that graham cracker note because as I tasted the wine, I said, wow, there is that just hint of, uh, I'll say, toasted spice. And um, you do get the, the great balance of freshness and acidity, but you get that, that cr- creamier mouthfeel from having a little bit of oak aging. Um, I don't get much lees contact, so I don't think it's too long, right? Um, no, the the piece in it, it's probably those six months or so. Yeah. And But I'm stirring, I'm stirring those barrels once every six weeks which isn't really all that often. As you go to Riva, it's once every three weeks and more an nth degree once a week. You know, so it's really downplaying that and making sure it's in the background. Well, it's uh, another delicious. So for all those people out there, our 20,000 listeners, uh, I invite you to do a study in Chardonnay. And for all the, you know, people talk about California Chardonnays, and there are some great examples and some, you know, some not so great examples. I think this is a perfect opportunity to find what your flavor profile is with the Wenti. Eric Chardonnay in the morning fog. Hey, Carl, I want you to stick around after this break because um, I want to dive into the Riva Ranch Chardonnay and the Nth Degree Chardonnay. And I am speaking with Carl Wenti. So stick around. Around. And coming up on the show, I've got Paul Wagner of Balzac Communications. He's the president of uh, uh, Balzac Pres- Communications, which is the nation's largest PR company. Um, and Carl, are you a partner with Balzac? We are. They are our publicists, and we work well with them. Great team, great group of players, very wine knowledgeable, and just awesome people. Hey, and um, the Society of Wine Educators Conference is coming up here in Seattle in, uh, in two weeks. Are you? Will you be a part of that? Um, I think our company is going to be represented, but I won't. A couple of weeks, man, grapes are going to be pouring through my door and harvest is upon us. <laughs> so you'll be busy, and that's what senior vice presidents do. And I'm sure you uh, do drive the forklift and much, much more. So uh, speaking with Carl Wenty here on Happy Hour Radio, when we come back, we're going to dive into his Riva Ranch Chardonnay in the nth degree. So stick around, get your glasses ready for Happy Hour Radio. Hello, I'm John Patterson with Patterson Sellers. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KBI. Breaking down the big stories. Len Beck, weekdays 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. 
so excited to have a sunny day in Seattle and also some sunshine in my glass. I've got Carl Wenty of WentyVineyards.com and also the Wenty family, a fifth-generation winemaker, uh, greenskeeper, <laughs> concert promoter. Uh, Carl, um, you know, we've all heard of Wenty clone, and I say we, meaning the cognoscenti of, of wine guys like sommeliers, but tell me about the Wenty clone. Wenty Clone of Chardonnay, you know, it got started in 1912, where my great-grandfather was the first graduating class at UC Davis, when it was an agricultural extension of UC Berkeley. And as part of his, you know, his class and his professors, obviously the California wine industry was well up and running. And one of his professors said, you know, there's this great white grape of Burgundy, and it's not planted in California. And we don't know why, and we know that it would thrive and do well. And the great white grape of Burgundy, of course, is Chardonnay. And so he said, hey, your father has a ranch in Livermore, which we know would be a great place for growing Chardonnay, which we've obviously proved can be the case. He said, if we bring cuttings from the University of Montpellier, can you talk your dad into planting them in his vineyard in Livermore? He goes to his dad, and his dad said, of course, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You want to collaborate with the university and get good cuttings of good, of good wood, good grapevines. So took the cuttings and planted them in our ranch in 1912. And then these grapevines grow up, and you can take additional cuttings and put them in the ground, and you just propagate it forward. And then people would come from all over the state and get cuttings of Chardonnay, of this Chardonnay, and take it and plant it in their vineyards and then just propagate it forward. And then UC Davis gets back involved with their clonal system and how they have it all set up. But the end game now is that 80%, 80% of all California Chardonnay has genetic roots that came through our property in 1912. And so Wente clone of Chardonnay, clone 4, 5, 6, clone 2A, the old Wente heritage clones. You know, there's just a lot of this beautiful material throughout the, throughout the state of California. I mean, 80%. There's a lot of Chardonnay planted. <laughs> there's a lot of Chardonnay. And we got to thank uh, the, the, co- the community, not college, community college, university, and Wente. Well, that's cool. So uh, tell me about the Reva Ranch. Is this, is this part of the Wente clone then? Absolutely. The Reva Ranch, and this comes from Arroyo Seco Vineyards down in Monterey. And Arroyo Seco is south of Salinas, about 20 miles south of Salinas. You turn right and you head towards the coast and you get to a little uh, the coastal range before you go up over, the, over into Carmel. And right there is Arroyo Seco, and it's just south of the Santa Lucia Highlands, connected to the Santa Lucia Highlands Appalachian. And it's just a great region for Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Blanc, Gewürztraminer, Riesling, and, of course, Chardonnay. And the Chardonnay down there is very rich and tropical in nature. So you get these sort of mango, papaya, guava notes if you allow the fruit to ripen to like 23.8 to 24 percent sugar and just beautiful fruit flavors and this wine is 90 percent barrel fermented and about 10 percent stainless steel fermented blended back and so designed to give a big rich style but at the same time i always want the fruit to be the lead horse and it does it certainly a it has a little more weight than uh, the other two chardonnays eric's and uh, morning fog um delicious i think this needs a little more time in the bottle to be honest it's 2013 it still seems a little wound up i think and to me it just uh, it's got the fruit but it's just needs maybe another three, four months in the bottle. 
Absolutely. And so this is because we wanted to show off the new label where we just have a slightly retweaked label design. That wine was just recently bottled and it's not released to anybody but you. Ah, so I am correct. So, well, so, I feel good so you that. are correct. And it is just, you know, early out there, early out the gate, but that's going to hang out in the glass, be, you know, hang out in the bottle for a bit before that makes it to anybody out there. So yeah. you, you hit it right on the nose. Well, thank you. Well, I see a 2012 and I've got a little bit of time left, just a, few, a minute or so. Tell me about the nth degree. So the nth degree is 100% barrel fermented cuvee indigène, so natural fermentation, batonnage, surly aging, religiously once a week for about eight months. So really looking for a big sort of creamy, nutty, rich style. It's Livermore Valley fruit. And the name came to be just because we're doing everything to the nth degree to get the best expression <laughs> of what Livermore Valley can be for Chardonnay. Wow. Um, now, I'm glad you say this to the end because this is just pure delight. You've done everything Thank right you. in this wine. The nth degree. Uh, very interesting package. It looks like it has a, I mean, what is that symbol? It looks like a clover, but... Um it's just the, it's just a little quatrefoil. That that shape is up on the some of these old buildings that we bought oh. back when we bought the the Charles Wetmore and the Cresta Blanca Ranch. You know, not far after the turn of the last century. Well, I tell you, I mean, the 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 length and flavor and the finish in this nth degree Chardonnay is fantastic. I'm still tasting it, and that is a delight. I get the toasty nuttiness, the the toasted cashew, um, and the almonds, and I love that part. Carl Wenty, this has been a treat. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and talk about these great Chardonnays. I'm sure everybody can find one of their favorites at wentyvineyards.com. Carl, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you so much. Cheers, my friend. Uh, really enjoyed those Chardonnays, the Eric's, the Morning Fog, and the Reba Ranch. But I tell you, the uh, I am spoiled. Uh, the nth degree Chardonnay is truly something that is fantastically delicious. I'm excited to welcome um, from Balzac Communications... The President, El Presidente, Mr. Paul Wagner. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thanks. Happy to be here. Hey, um, this is... This You're is drinking a, some good wine there with Carl Wente. I am, and it's such a treat because he is so knowledgeable. Um, that stuff came right out of his head. He wasn't like reading a paper or a form, and I know I had a chance to meet him uh, last summer, uh, right about this time, and I uh, had a great time, but I didn't have a chance to taste this these line of Chardonnays. And I know that um, he mentioned something about uh, Wente providing some information, a resource or program for the Society of Wine Educators Conference. And are right. you involved with the Society of Wine Educators Conference as well? I am. I'm actually making some presentations, and I am on the board of directors of the Society of Wine Educators. So uh, I'm involved in a bunch of different ways. Well, um, for those of us who don't know what the Society of Wine Educators is, um, and it sounds pretty lofty, tell us, share us with <laughs> us what, <laughs> why people should be interested in this. Well, um, the Society of Wine Educators is the leading source of wine education in the world. So we do everything from developing certifications. So if you are in the trade, you can enhance your career by coming back with a with a what they call a postnomial. Some of those clever letters you can put after your name of a certified specialist of wine or a certified specialist of spirit, something like that. Uh, also, develop curriculum to help people understand wine, and a, a huge part of what we do is helping those who teach wine teach it better because lord knows that wine's complicated enough without without trying to learn it from people who aren't very good at teaching it so that's a huge part of our mission 
Well, I'm really excited about it because for all those out there, I actually signed up for the CSW Certified Specialist of Wine course, and uh, it, and I'm excited because I want some more letters. My parents are MDS and DDSs <laughs> and FACS, right. so I'm going to step up and put something on my card that CSW. And as I look through the material, what's great about the society is that you provide a wealth of knowledge uh, in an easy to understand and comprehend format. Yes, it's it's pretty nice. In fact, one of the things we've been really uh, gratified by is the number of wine regions who've actually provided us with information. You know, who better to learn about the sparkling wines of Italy than, say, Franciacorta, or who better to learn about the great red wines of California than the Napa Valley? And these regions have actually put together programs that help us teach this stuff. So you can actually learn not only really good information, but from people who know it, maybe even better than the teachers. I love it. It takes a village to raise a sommelier, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that that event is, uh, actually, I looked online, and uh, what's the website for people interested in finding more about the society? Well, um, I knew you were going to ask me something complicated like that. If they do a Google search of the Society of Wine Educators, I used to tell people it's SWE, but there's apparently a... a um, Southwest Airlines? Uh, Society of Something <laughs> Engineers ah. that, that fits in there. So if you go societyofwineeducators.org, you will find information about the conference along with everything else. Well, I think it's fantastic to come to Seattle. You know, when you live in Seattle and from Seattle, you're very proud of it because uh, when, it, when it's blue sky, uh, there's no place better in the world, we believe, and because we've been waiting for that blue sky for months is <laughs> part of the problem. Um, but also, you know, our our wine industry has come of age. We've we've uh, just oh, had absolutely. you know San Francisco International Wine Competition named Mary Hill Winery their Winery of the Year. So we get some props out of California. Uh, the uh, Lecole Marty Clubs, Lecole Number Forty One Ferguson Ferguson Wine was named Decanters Bordeaux Style Wine of the World. So we're getting some huge props, and we're excited to share that. Yep, and, and it's really fun that our conference in Seattle is going to be, I believe, the biggest conference we've ever had simply because there's so much interest in this region. We've got people coming from all over the world to speak. We've got people coming from all over the country to attend because Seattle's a happening place and people think it's going to be the best show ever. And Super Bowl champions, baby, yeah. Oh, don't talk to me about that. I'm a <laughs> Niners fan. I know. You're, I knew I had to stick that in there. <laughs> hey, well, stick around. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to chat more with Mr. Paul Wagner, the president of Balzac Communications. And, uh, hey, looking ahead uh, to uh, these events for all these people that when they're coming to Seattle, they could go check out some cider at uh, Cider Day in Port Townsend on Saturday the 9th. NorthwestCider.com is the website. And, of course, all these attendees will be in line for the Auction of Washington Wines Picnic Wine Dinners and Gala, August 14th through the 16th at auctionofwashingtonwines.org. Hey, stick around. We'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, this is Keith Robbins from Teeny Bigs and Hula Hula. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KVI. The Commute with Carlson, weekdays 5 to 9, only in Seattle on Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI One and O Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Had a great show, as we always do, I hope. 
with Craig Luthol, the owner and winery of the year, Mary Hill Winery, uh, Mr. Carl Wente of the Wente Family Vineyards down in California, Livermore Valley. Right now, another Californian, Mr. Paul Wagner, uh, president of Balzac Communications. You know, he's with the Society of the Wine Educators Conference. He's on the board. And uh, I got a question. You know, Paul, tell me what people are really asking about in, in you know, the consumers, we have the cognoscenti, we have sommeliers who probably read more books and understand a lot more than the regular person. But what do you think the regular person wants to know? Well, it's pretty simple because when, when you talk to people in a wine shop, what they really want to know is what bottle can I put on my table that I'm going to enjoy and that's not going to embarrass me in front of my friends. So what they're really asking for is how can I be comfortable with wine? And one of the things I believe really strongly is what you have to teach people is to trust their palates, trust them to to like what they like and be happy about it. And, you know, you and I were talking during the break a little bit about what an ancient product wine is. Throughout the centuries, different people, different wine styles have been vastly popular. And wines that are popular today, probably you probably couldn't sell them 300 years ago. And wines that were popular 1,000 years ago are difficult to sell today. You just need to find stuff that you like and drink it and be happy about it. It's a wonderful product. And I think for our, our friends, we are 20,000 listeners out there, to, to embrace wine, and most of you probably know a little bit about wine, but really, I always talk about it in terms of pizza. You can describe your favorite pizza to me, so you can really describe a wine. It's just learning the language. And so we talk about right. fruits. So the first thing we go is, what kind of fruits do you taste? First of all, what color? In your mind, are they red fruits? Are they blue fruits? Are they yellow fruits? Are they white fruits? And then move on from there. Is there where, how much lemon effect? And so when they talk about the wine, they put it in perspective. I mean, we should have a course that says breaking down wine for the consumer. Here are the components. It's fruit, it's alcohol, it's tannin, and it's acidity and a little bit of water. Or a lot well, and, of you, water. and you've raised a really good point there, which is that we, it's, you don't have to teach people how to taste wine. You have to teach people how to talk about what they taste. And, you know, it can be as simple as um, the most difficult question a sommelier ever has to answer is a diner walking into the restaurant and saying, which of your wines am I really going to like? That's and, right. of course, a good sommelier will say, well, tell me what kinds of wines you do like, and I'll be <laughs> able to match it up like that. But that's the, it, it, it has to be based on what you like. It can't be based on what you, Chris, like or, I mean, Paul I like certain wines, but are you going to like them? Maybe not. You got to learn to trust your palate, and you got to learn to say, "This is what I like." Can you find something that's a little bit like that? Yes, and it's always that's what sommeliers are for to talk to. And I think a lot of people are intimidated by the guy with the. Well, I don't see him anymore wearing the test van. We got to bring that back. <laughs> that's the only bling we have outside of our great pins. Right. Yeah. I want that's to get right. some of those. I think that's good riddance. My, I, I have to admit, when I see one of those in a restaurant, I immediately start getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they add, a, add another 30% on the price of the wine. No, just kidding. Well, j- just that I'm worried that he's going to be too serious. And after all, I'm there to have fun, as every diner is. Yeah. You're there to have a good time with your family or your friends. That's what you're really there for. You're not there for a master's degree in, in enology or a geological analysis of the soils of Bordeaux. You just want to have a good glass with your dinner. Exactly, at a lecture and all that. Well, um, if you're into the lectures and the geographical soils of Bordeaux, or Washington for that matter, I invite everybody to check out the Society of Wine Educators Annual Conference. And that starts with a cool event, uh, uh, drinking some Beaujolais wines, right, on Monday? That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so yep, tell us some of the, do you have the, the, I got just a few minutes left, tell me some of the courses that are involved with that, just for fun. 
Well, there's a there's an ongoing program um, with the wines of the Loire, and then we've got experts from all over the world. We've got a double session on sake. Um, I'm actually uh, teaching a couple of classes, one on a new level of wines from Chianti Classico that are absolutely spectacular. A new level, new Dr. DOC Chianti. or something like that? Yeah, you know, the, the, they always talk about wine being made in a pyramid. Well, the Chianti Classico has just passed some new regulations to put sort of a nice little a gold cap on top of their pyramid. Because that's what so they need. That's exactly <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, everybody's, everybody's interested in making the best wine they can, and this is their new version of it. So wow. lots of different things. You've got very technical uh, classes on how to taste wine, and then you've got really fun classes that are just talking about the, the social implications of wine and how it, how it fits in with society. So lots of stuff. Very cool. I'm excited to participate. Again, I'm taking the uh, Certified Specialist of Wine exam. I'll have that full-day course on Monday and my exam on Tuesday. So when I see you, I hope I got some cool pin to be wearing. I plan on uh, uh, showing off and, and being proud of my new accreditation. That's right. We'll have to share a glass of wine in celebration. Well, maybe maybe a glass of Gran Selezione from Chianti Classico. I think that would be very appropriate. Paul Wagner, Balzac <laughs> Communications, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. My pleasure. Pleasure. I'll see you in Seattle. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. So uh, what a great show. The Mary Hill Winery, Wente Vineyards, and the Society of Wine Educators. Um, speaking of great shows, coming up next week, I've got Francesco Mazzi of the Mazzi Tuscany Project, uh, the wineries in um, Great Wines, the Chianti Classico, the Philip Red. Uh, also, a, I think she's Italian, Miss Linda Trotta of Swiftwater Cellars up there in Suncadia, making some fantastic wines. And also, well, if you want wine, it's all about the auction of Washington wines. So we'll have a special guest. Hey, uh, folks, don't remember Seattle Saturday, uh, NorthwestSider.com, and the uh, Seattle Wine Awards Gold Medal Wine Experience on September 14th. Thanks for joining me today on Happy Hour Radio. And folks, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.